Coming up, the New York football giants, for better or worse, have a date with destiny. Thanksgiving Day matchup. Just when you want to sit down for some turkey and mashed potatoes, you also have to keep one eye desperately on the TV to see if Big Blue can pull off a victory. We'll break down the injury updates, the key factors from the Dallas side, and ultimately, if we think that the Giants can pull this one off. Hit the wrong button. Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Nori. And yonder there, the seasoned generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, the man with turkey and gravy in his eyes, Mr. Andrew Mackworth. I mean, uh, what a great holiday Thanksgiving is. Let's just be honest. Love it's it. always in the middle Don't of the like week. It. Love it. I know. It's always in the middle of the week, so you always get a day off of work. It always has football games on, which is amazing. And it's basically focused around eating yourself, like gorging yourself as much as humanly possible. So what's better than being off of work, watching football, and eating as much food as humanly possible? Uh, if, if it's something exists, I don't know of it. I'll tell you that right now, friends. Um, what uh, just on the Thanksgiving front, what's the particular? You know, you walk in, the food's out, it's all there for you, and it's your choice. You get first dibs on what you go to grab for. So I got a lot of I got a lot of thoughts on Thanksgiving food. As long the as you first is nothing. We're going to be okay. Oh uh, well, uh, it looks like we're going to be in for an interesting one. The first thing I will say is I am totally okay with people trying different techniques on the turkey. We've done deep, you know, the deep fried turkey outside. We've done the spatchcock turkey where you open it up and you and you and you wing it out. We've done the sous vide turkey before. I'm cool with like trying to get the the juiciest best turkey you can ever have. No, I am not uh, a traditionalist in that regard. Do you have a double turkey, though? Like, As in, yeah, man, take all the risks that you want. But ultimately, we're going to guarantee we have a juicy turkey uh, on it. See, we, what we do is we get like a giant turkey breast, and you just okay. kind of roast that okay. one in the oven. Just to have yeah. an extra little bit of, of, the, of the white meat for, available for people. Adam, I am going to say the mixture of stuffing cranberry and gravy when it kind of just like all gets into one spot Which you get the together, salty yeah. you get the you get the you get the sweet you get the tart like that's really my go-to bite i know that you're not a huge stuffing guy i am what what's your what's your go-to well you gotta see dark meat is important i think too like i you know listen I, all all the white turkey breasts in the world but you're never gonna have the same juiciness that same kind of that little bit of something there's that i think it's fat is what it is just <laughs> glazing over top of that dark meat in there is delicious um i mean uh, you know I'm, I'm a big uh, mashed potato guy i'll just i'll ask this though because i like you and i we've, we've gotten together and had some meals we like the finer things certainly when it comes to cranberry sauce though we just confirmation here are you straight hoping that out someone... the can straight out the can ocean spray or bust Adam don't okay. don't come with me with like ooh look at this extra time that I put into this like yeah. you know I put some star anise of... and some cinnamon cloves into the yeah just do the can you can't yeah. beat the can if it you could spend an hour making whatever you want I will still take the can every single time and you know what it is about it, too. And then we'll move on, friends. Don't worry. We're going to talk about football. It's that because the, then if you put that out there, it's the cold canned cranberry sauce. In contrast, 
to the turkey, to the mashed potatoes, to the stuffing. It's that little, it's that little something, little bit of tartness. Ah, come on, friends. We all know the deal. Um, listen, man, I just like, yeah, we get to see family and everything. You get to get together with the kids and stuff. So it's always a good time. It's always a day off. And it's always something where I look a little bit like by the end of the night on the couch somewhere. And that's all that matters. Well, this this week, though, Adam, and this Thanksgiving is a little bit different for Giant fans. We're, we're yes. used to watching the Cowboys play. Sometimes they just combust during the primetime spot, which is always great. I keep thinking about, you know, the RG3 Washington Redskins a decade ago when, when you know he went in there and he absolutely decimated them. There's a couple of games like that. Now Giant fans can't fall asleep. No trip to fan from the Turkey. Have to stay awake around 4.30 because the Giants are playing on Thanksgiving against those pesky Cowboys. Wouldn't have hated if it was, and I know this is hard from a travel standpoint and where you're going to be for the game, but like earlier, you know, like 4.30, you're getting pretty late into the action there. I could have a couple cocktails by then. I could have already had my first plate of food. Like there's a real risk factor here that by 5.45, I'm doing like just a power nap. I'm just, you know, recharging the batteries for my second dose. So that being the case, though, 4.30, as you say, the action will get underway. It will be in Dallas. And for the New York football giants, we said it yesterday. Um, a lot of injuries obviously coming out of the Detroit Lions game, but then some updates around key players here from Brian Dable, who met, with, who met with the press. And I will say, like Brian Dable, who's been Mr. Consistency in the way he interacts and talks about things, but every every comment has a different tone to it when you're coming off of a loss and when you're coming off of taking on a lot of injuries that really do have season-long ramifications. Yeah, he basically came out and said Bellinger and Aziz Ojolari are not going to play. Let's just get them out of the way right, right away. He then went on to say everyone else is basically a coin flip going up to the game. So tune in an hour beforehand to see who's active and who's not. And and he kind of did that a little bit tongue in cheek. You know, around the team, there's questions about whether Evan Neal is going to play. There's questions about Fabian Moreau with his rib injury. There's basically who's not injured on the team is probably a shorter list than who is injured right now. Right. Let's get, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this just though, specifically with Evan Neal, if he's ready, if he's close to ready to go, do you want him out there in this game or not? Cause I'll be honest with you. We're going to talk about what we think is going to happen in this one later on, but I don't know if bringing back Evan Neal, who probably wants to prove himself, who had an all time terrible game against Dallas the first time around, like we understand, why, why he's going to want to be out there and prove that he has improved since earlier in the season. And also, I, I don't know if I need to expose him having missed a couple of games here to the defense of the, of the Dallas Cowboys in his first game back. I, I understand the sentiment that you have in this. Here's the way that I think about it. If Evan Neal right now is 90%, there's no question that you keep him out. You keep him out. You just say, let's get you fully healthy. If right. Evan Neal is 100% healthy and has no more lingering issues, then, he's he, has, a go. Yeah. then he, yeah. has, he has to play. Yeah. You can't just like it, – it's not about being cautious if he's fully healthy. It's about eh, are we really trying to stretch this uh, you know, at the detriment of Evan Neal or is he actually healthy? If he's healthy, he has to be out there contributing, and I'm sure he really would want to get another crack at Micah Parsons, at um, Demarcus Lawrence because he did struggle so poorly against the Cowboys last time. And, man, we could really use the help on the offensive line in this game because we know what Dallas is capable of. Yeah, I think I agree with you, right? Healthy, you obviously have to play. You can't be a top draft pick and not be out there. And I'm not suggesting anything otherwise that the team would want to do. And to your point, though, 
now you get the 10 days after this. So if he is 85, 90% and you think, guess what? If we hold him out here in another full 10 days before the next game, he'll be a hundred percent healthy and all things being equal. We think then he can charge down the remaining six games of the season without any concerns. I, I agree with you there. Everybody else. I mean, listen, I, I don't know what they're going to do in the secondary Moreau or otherwise, you know, that you want to see Darnay Holmes maybe be able to step up and play a bigger role here, but both teams being at seven and three coming into this game, there's so much that hangs in the balance of it. Is there any other key injuries that you want to touch on before we kind of just, because it's to me, you could almost throw a dart and hit somebody that has an injury concern right now. I mean, obviously Adoree Jackson being out, he was, he was clearly yeah, ruled yeah. out as well after, after having that knee injury. I really think that it, it still hurts that Bellinger isn't able to get back out there and play again, along the same lines as Evan Neal and maybe Aziz Ojolari. It feels like if this was a Sunday game, Adam, instead of a Thursday game, a lot of these guys would probably be closer to play. The fact that it's such a short week, it makes it harder because the decision is very, very easy. You're on the road. It's a short week. You let these guys get an extra 10 days to heal. And then there's no questions going into the commander's game where you feel like that one's probably a closer to a must win than it is you know, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And let's do, let's do a little whip around the league here because some people, and I don't think I, I don't think there's many giants fans that have had the ability to make it out of the loss to Detroit combined with all the injuries. And we're willing to put their neck out there as saying, this is a must win game. Now, by the way, though, if they had won that game in Detroit, or even if they had lost it, but you hadn't have lost a Dory Jackson, you hadn't have lost Wandale Robinson. And maybe you already knew that Bellinger was going to be coming back. If this injury list looked a little bit different, I think a lot of Giants fans will be calling this not a revenge game, but just a, hey, don't forget, they are a what? A fall down from David Sills away from maybe being on a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter against a team that was absolutely pummeling Daniel Jones like a ragdoll, right? So when you dial it back to it, this was not a game that was as out of hand as maybe it feels with the way they were treating the offense on that particular day. It's just unfortunate that a player like Wondell Robinson, who was only getting better, right? A guy like Bellinger, who was emerging, specifically when we talk about the offensive side of the ball, offensive line, now dealing with some of these rotations and shuffles. It's really hard to look at this one and say anything other than, listen, would you like this to be a game that you go into saying win it and you're second in the division and the division is still in play? Sure. But I think you just have to treat this for for what it is in some ways. And I'm not I'm, honestly, I'm not giving anything away about which way I think this game is going to go. I, I think you just have to treat it for what it is. It's going to be a tough divisional road game on a short week when you're dealing with a lot of injuries. And keep in mind, we're going to get into the betting lines a little bit later, Adam. The Giants are almost a double-digit underdog on the road in a short week in the division with all of the injuries that they have. So it is a it is an uphill climb for the Giants in this game. And like you said, we're not making excuses, but Daniel Jones was pressured, I think it was 22 or 23 times in, in the game against Dallas. There was just no stopping him. The Giants clearly need to look at that tape and say, whatever we were doing, we need to do something completely different. And that's why in our last episode, we mentioned how important Mike Kafka's scheme in this yeah. game is going to be because the Giants just on talent alone are not going to be able to win this game. So before we talk about the way in which they can potentially win this game and get into Andy's bet of the week, as well as our predictions, just that I mentioned there, the quick look around the NFL. Remember, because they play on Thursday, the fun of it will be, which, by the way, it kicks off at 1230. Um, will you have Buffalo at Detroit? So you still get that juicy Detroit game that we all want on Thanksgiving. And hey, listen, they beat us and the Detroit Lions. I'll, I'll give them this. 
they have maintained a, a higher level of competitiveness deeper into the season than maybe I thought they would. And that's a great thing for football because you want Detroit to be a good team. Uh, New York will obviously go to Dallas and then New England will go to Minnesota. But the interesting thing for me is, is over the weekend, man, when you're coming to Sunday and you're just kind of laying around, there's no actual Giants game on. Maybe you're watching some World Cup soccer. Hey, Washington hosting Atlanta. All of a sudden, the outcome of this game, you're going to immediately go there. You're going to immediately look over to that matchup because, by the way, I don't know what Washington is in division. I know that they be. I, I know that they upset Philadelphia. So guess what? They're going to be above us. So you know, coming out of this week of games, if the Giants were to lose, they could be in fourth place in the division, and that'll feel different than maybe you would have thought about it earlier in the year when you could have said, so what, the Giants have three wins, they're last in the division? Now it'll be the Giants are seven and four and hanging on to the back end of the division. So there's a lot of things to kind of keep an eye on over the weekend as well, almost regardless of whether the Giants win or lose. You combine that with, you know, I'm not going to throw Green Bay out there. Detroit actually is not insignificant, though I wouldn't anticipate them beating Buffalo, right? But like those little wild card teams, San Francisco, right? Like you just got to keep an eye in the corner there of what's going to happen as new Orleans goes to San Francisco to play them. Some teams are starting to get on a real roll here. Um, so it just, I, those are this, you know, I, I am going global here this week because I think it's important knowing that the giants are going to have those 10 days to hopefully get healthy. Yeah. A lot of games you mentioned the 49ers is one to look at. Obviously the, the Seattle Seahawks is another one at six and four. They have the tiebreaker against the giants too. So there, there are a couple of different games to keep it keep an eye out on, but, Let's not bury let's not bury the lead. Let's talk a little bit about Dallas. The reason yeah. why everyone feels so uh concerned and cautious about the predictions for this Thursday night match or Thursday afternoon matchup, Adam, is because of that Dallas defense. It, it really is all about the defense. They are number one in the league in points allowed per game at 16.7. They lead the NFL in sacks with 42. They have more than double the amount of sacks than the Giants do. They take yeah. the ball away. And their, their turnover differential is top five in the NFL. So they don't give the ball up that much on offense, and they turn it over quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. That is not, you know, not a recipe for success for the Giants. They are number one in the NFL in the least amount of passing yards per game. They don't allow teams to throw on them, and it's pr primarily predicated on Micah Parsons and Dexter Lawrence getting to the quarterback consistently when they drop back to pass. Yeah, I, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I'll, the, the way in which I think the Giants can go about winning this game it involves what I, what they can accomplish against that Dallas defense. Because on the on the other side of it, offensively, man, we saw this in the first meeting. Obviously, they didn't even have Dak Prescott back there. You can talk about the weapons they have in the wide receiver room, but the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is just kind of a, a chug along running back, uh, complemented by Pollard, who is doing both running and receiving duties for the Dallas Cowboys, the linebacking core for the New York Football Giants is just to me going to be such an important factor and one that honestly at least on paper you look at and go they're going to be a big factor and, I, and I'm going to be hard pressed to say in a positive way you're going to get exposed time and time again Dak Prescott can move enough in and around the pocket he can use his legs if called upon but I, it just feels like that Detroit game to me and I said this going back it was the first time that I thought the Giants defensively were going to go up against a team that had a full complement of weapons right and we haven't seen that in weeks in weeks prior. Even teams that have come along a little bit, like the Ravens or like the Packers in terms of what they're doing offensively, was not the same in terms of having quality high-end receivers, quality players in the backfield, being able to hit you in a lot of different ways. And this is what starts that trend here for the Giants. 
in this Dallas game where I, you're decimated in the secondary. How are you going to shut down C.D. Lamb with consistency? How are you going to shut down Pollard? Frankly, I, I, we don't have a guarantee that you'll shut down Ezekiel Elliott, although I think that'll be the first thing that you'll say is, hey, let's stuff this run. But the only way that I can see this team having success is if on the defensive side for them, Kayvon Thibodeau, who we talked about, who we like the development of, guess what, buddy, man? You got to do work. Like, no, you can't be any more of the even the smart football plays dropping away and getting tip passes. I need it to be that you're already at the quarterback. I, I, need, I need Leonard Williams to get through. I need Dexter Lawrence to keep playing at a high level. I need Ocean Exhibitors to play at a high level. For me, the front seven here for the New York football giants in this game is going to be critical for them to have any chance. Adam, let me ask you a question. So you're talking right. about you're talking about that front seven being critical. I agree. It's going to be a challenge. You would love to play like a cover two zone and drop back so that Lamb can't take the top off. But every time that you play zone, you put more defensive backs out there. There's less in the box to stop Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, et cetera. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a very difficult choice that Wink Martindale has to take. I, I want to think about the game at large, and I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the Giants, it, the Giants' best best path to victory in this game, would you say it is a milk the clock, try to just you know compress the game time in this one, hold on for dear life, try to get down in, in the mud and, and make it a game, or do you think the Giants, in order to win this game, have to open up the playbook and try to score points knowing that Dallas's offense is as potent as they are. Yeah, it's a little bit tricky because we were talking, you said there at the top when we were talking, going through the stats here, what did Detroit give up? A, uh, sorry, what is Dallas? I'll say Detroit 16.7 Another... points a game. And then, but in the running game, they average 136 yards surrender. Now that's in tandem with what they give up, just 174 through the air. And we know that the Giants have struggled in the passing game, got a little bit explosive in the last week, but also lost 31 18. In, so it's weird because I think in theory, the best way to give yourself a chance to win is what you just described. Lead the clock, mitigate possessions, use Saquon Barkley. He runs the ball 35 plus times. You just keep the ball out of Dallas's offense's hands and you try to find a way to just be in a 17-14 fourth quarter game, right? 2016 fourth quarter game. I think that that's the best practical way to do it. But I also think that you're only one pass away from Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb from being, say, on, on the losing side of that. You're down 2016. It's midway through the fourth, 27-16. Now you're down 11. Now you got to go. You know, now you got to push. Now you need a touchdown, two-point conversion, field goal. And this is where I come back to the micro-macro, right? On a micro level, you might say, let's just try to bleed this thing dry. I personally think seeing a little bit of the glimmer of it from Daniel Jones in this last game. And no, Detroit is not Dallas in terms of defense. But I, as much as I possibly can, when the game script allows it, with the personnel that I have available, I'm going to try to create some of these opportunities where Daniel Jones is out in space. I'm going to try those naked bootlegs. I'm going to try to roll him out of the pocket. I'm going to try to do two running back backfields with Brita and Saquon Barkley and have them go out for passing plays and maybe open some things up over the middle for a Richie James, for a, a Kenny Galladay. Listen, he caught two balls. He at least looks healthy enough. You got to try it. And at some point, you're going to need Darius Slayton, who we've been really happy with over the last five, six games. But we're going to need him to try to burn one, right? Try to get over the top and earn that that reputation of being a guy that can take the top off of defense. So I, 
if you're going to win this game, it's going to take points, I think. I don't think you can get into a grudge match with Dallas with the weapons that they have. I think the actual question here, so if you're Mike Kafka, I think what you have to do is you have to walk over to Wink Martindale and say, what's the number? What's the number that yeah. you think that you can hold the Dallas offense to? Because oh, wait, wait, wait. Reverse that. I would say Wink Martindale goes to Kafka and goes, what's the number? How many points do you think you can score in this game? Because if you're Kafka, and I, 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 want, you, I want you to finish your, your, your version, but it's just if you're, if you're Dave, uh, Wink Martindale, you're saying, I can play, as you said, zone look, deep covered. I can keep it all in front of me all game long and give up 24 points. But if you're telling me that you know 17 points, whatever the number, 20 points, whatever it is. But if you're telling me you're going to open it up and go for it, then I'm going. I'm going for it. I'm going after him. I'm throwing the house at him, and I'll live with giving up the big plays if you're going to open this thing up. Yeah. So I, I think of it the other way, where it's like Wink Martindale. I feel like has the ability to dictate more than Kafka does. Certainly, it, it yeah. feels like it feels like that defense ha- has Kafka gets anything he wants. <laughs> right. Well. Well. I mean, if so, if Kafka goes there and and Wink's like, I looked at the film. You know, when we look at when we look at Dallas's last games, they scored 40 against the Vikings, 28 on the road in Green Bay, 49 at home against the Bears, and 24 against the Lions. Like, what's the what's the number, Wink? Yeah. What's the number that you think you can hold them to? Because I need to game plan accordingly. If you're saying this is gonna be in the 30s, we don't have the personnel to stop them this this week, then that's gonna change everything that Mike Kafka does on offense. They have to be more risk you know, tolerant to be able to go after things. If Wink says, get us 20 points and we can win the, like get, get the offense to 20 points. We will do the rest. That changes the game plan. Then it's how, how do we burn this clock? How do we take advantages, get one lucky strike to someone like Slayton and try to win this game, you know, in a a tight one. So for me, I'm just thinking it's all about Wink Martindale. Can you stop them offensively? Because that will dictate how much risk we have to take on offense. Yeah, I, I, we can turn our attention here to predictions and obviously your bet of the week. It's just it's hard to look at it, man, because like you say, and it is so chicken. It's like, well, or maybe we do try to bleed it because, how you know, look at the clock, 15 minute quarters. Every time that we can go on an eight minute drive, if you go on an eight minute drive two times in this game, then you may take away two possessions from the Dallas Cowboys, right? And now that may only be the difference of this game finishing in the 30s versus finishing in the high 20s. It, you know, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you're leading this thing by double digits or something, but that's I th- it is interesting. And you talk about it too, and Wink Martindale is going to be the one that you can rely on here because he's gone out and kind of said week to week, this is the opponent, this is how we try to execute. This is the opponent, this is how we try to execute. And a big factor inside of that is going to be, can you manufacture a turnover? What's the best version for Wink Martindale to try to induce a turnover, right? And that's, I think, the diff- a big factor in playing back and keeping it in front of you versus going after it and kind of taking your shots. Because if you play it safe, within reason, though Dak Prescott is not totally turnover adverse, within reason, it's going to be a chunk play here, a chunk play there, and then slowly down the field they go. And then it really comes down to in the red zone, field goals or touchdowns, right? But I, I, at some point, I think there's going to be one of those and Kayvon Thibodeau just didn't quite get home. And there's a 35, 40-yard pass downfield on a third and seven, whatever it may be, right? Three or four instances in this game, we may look back and the, and the score could not be reflective of it at all, but we'll be able to say, boy, there were like three moments where if the defense could have just, it may have been a much different game. And likewise on offense as well. This is not the same Dallas offensive line that we've known for the last decade where, you know, there's no way that we can stop them. They're, they're going to no, move the no. ball with, with, with consistency. 
you can get pressure against this offensive line. And, and to your point, it, it is going to be about the turnover battle. If the Giants don't win the turnover battle, they don't really, I, I don't see a path to victory in this game. They have to get a timely turnover. A guy like Oshane Ximenez, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau has to find a way to wreak some havoc and just muck this game up, change the direction of this game. Because if Dallas has the ability to kind of have both the pass and run options available, it's going to be a long day for Wing Martindale's team, you know, knowing that there's so many injuries in the secondary. So the, the, the pass rush is going to be everything for the Giants on defense. 5.9 yards per carry for Tony Pollard, 3.9 for Ezekiel Elliott. They're combined for almost 1,200 yards this season. To say nothing of the fact that as I look at it, Pollard also has 21 catches for 200, uh, for sorry, 243 and a couple of touchdowns as well, right? Like CeeDee Lamb is well on his way to a 1,000-yard season. Now you can, you can be excited about the fact that they only have one thousand yard receiver on here but they had had some injuries Gallup dealing with things Noah Brown is the kind of guy 28 catches on 45 targets that you're like yeah Noah Brown ish but in a game like this with what the Giants are dealing with defensively and injuries all of a sudden Noah Brown you go maybe he's a free agent target the Giants should look at you know when he comes up for a contract and try to bring him in so there's going to be a lot of problems there before we get into our predictions I do just want to very briefly mention um, I was I heard Tiki Barber bring this up because it's probably going to be Richie James back there again, returning punts for the New York football Giants. And I will just say for all the criticism that I think rightfully the Giants got in putting back a Dory Jackson, Tiki reminded everybody he returned punts his entire career. And the backup for him in those situations was a Monty Toomer, the number one wide receiver and the number one running back served in those roles. And, and maybe we perceptually feel like the, the game is different today and it's only gotten faster and faster and the injury risks seem higher and higher, but it was just a little footnote that I thought, okay, you know what? Like if you're on a football team and you want to win games, you're going to use your best players when available or when needed. And the fluke injury automatically makes you go, well, son of a B, you never should have done that. Every other time you say, okay, Right. I mean, what about the days when Eldo Beckham would run back there for a quick punt return to try to, you know, bring a spark to the team? Nobody was howling about, oh, my God, what if he gets hurt? It was what if he breaks one? So a little reminder that sometimes results are not necessarily the only barometer by which you judge something. That being the case. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one to think about. Obviously, the game has changed a little bit since Tiki's time. Uh, you know, I, I would be okay if you want to do have someone back there for one as a spark. But the more times you flip a coin, heads or tails, soon enough, it's going to come up the wrong okay. way and you're not going to feel good about it. And that's why, obviously, to your point, things have shifted a little bit. That being the case, then, let's turn our attention to Andy's Bet of the Week. So I love the under in the game last week. Unfortunately, that didn't hit because uh, with five minutes to go, the Giants scored the the touchdown at the end to push it over. Um, you know, at least the team showed fight, even though it made me look like a fool, Adam. I will not be a fool again. I have the pick. It is in. We talked about what the Giants need to do. The Giants on offense need to slow down the pass rush of the Dallas Cowboys. How do you do that? One, you do it rushing the football. Obviously, you run at pass rushers so that they can't get outside. The second mm -hmm. thing is action pre-snap and screen passes. And I really think that that's what the Giants are going to have to do to try to mitigate some of that pass rush from Lawrence and Parsons. So for me, the best bet on the board is Saquon Barkley over 20 and a half receiving yards. I think they're going to have to get him out in space. They're going to have to neutralize how quickly those defensive ends get in the backfield. 
all it takes is one screen pass for Saquon to get that 20. But I think yeah. a couple of little little hitch routes to the outside, maybe some wheel routes if he has enough time, and at least one or two screen passes to try to slow them down a little bit. It feels like Saquon's going to get his touches. It might be a little bit in the run game and a little bit in the pass game. Give me five catches for 45 yards for Saquon in this one. Interesting, because you know I'll go back. I can't remember if it was the Houston game or the Seattle game where they tried to get a little bit of that action on the outside, some of those bleeding out of the backfields, and it was like one, two, three attempts. It wasn't quite working out, and it was like, okay, that's enough of that. But I, and I, I don't disagree about it being a valuable component of how they can win. The funny thing for me probably is that when we look at this game, um, I have a I have this memory of like one game this season where you saw a lot of the pre-snap stuff that we got glimpses of in the preseason, the motion, right? Guys shifting, get going in and out of the backfield, out to the wide receiver role. We've had so little of that in reality over the course of this season. And it's one of those things that I think does remind us that because of the injuries, because of the lack of production from a Kenny Galladay, et cetera, the offensive side of the ball has always been incomplete this year, right? It's never been able to be fully realized for what it's capable of becoming. And that's unfortunate. I don't, I don't have an answer. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no bookend statement to that. It's just that the way that you describe it makes all the sense in the world, short of the fact that we haven't been getting enough of those small samples that the giants can go and do that. And that feel like they have the confidence in the personnel to go and do that, but it'll be interesting. You had on the board there. Um, do you know where Daniel Jones rushing yards are? I thought I saw it at around 40, 40 and a half. It, it, it's not if, listed right now on ah, well, on FanDuel, so I mean, it, it I'm gonna was tell you. down at like 31 the last game, but you could tell me right now if you have it. I'm going to tell you that if it's anywhere between 35 and 40 rushing yards, anything in that anything in that world, even I'll say even all the way up to 45 yards, I would take the over on Daniel Jones rushing yards in this game. I think that last week you saw the little glimpses of it. You saw them use his legs a little bit more. I think it's going to be maybe let's say 40%, 45% out of design. And then the other 60, 65% is going to be out of necessity because that makes 110%. So you know you're going to need a little something extra to get over the hump. He's going to be running for his life in a handful of situations here too. And that can be a good thing. I mentioned that that one key sequence where he spun out of the tackles and got out into space and picked up key yards. He's going to have to do that in this. He's going to have to have great pocket awareness, great awareness on his backs, on his backside, on his blind side of who's coming for him, where these blitzes are coming from. He's got to be instinctual. He's got to be quick. I would take the over uh, on his rushing yards in this game. And then we'll talk about now as we get into predictions, if we think, is there an upset special coming our way, Andy? I, man, it is just so hard with the injuries. Like, at full health, with the complement of players, I can figure out past for the Giants to to, to come away with a victory. Yeah. Whenever when everyone's injured and you don't know if Evan Neal's going to be out there, you don't have your pass rusher in Ojalar, you don't have Bellinger over the middle to help relieve some of that pressure. It it just feels like if the Giants pulled off this upset, it would be it would be unbelievable. It'd be one of the bigger upsets Legend, in the league this year. Wait for it. <laughs> However. Yeah. However, it, it just feels like on a short week, Giants know they need to get healthy for some of the other games that are coming up that might even seem to be a bit more winnable. To me, it just feels like the way that the Dallas offense is moving, coupled with the pressure that they can you know, conjure up on, on the defensive side of the ball, I just don't feel like there is a big path for the Giants to win. I think they keep it close for a little bit. Ultimately, I think Dallas scores a little bit later on in the game, kind of bleeds it away. 
I've got the Cowboys winning this one 27 and the Giants scoring 10. 27 10. So you're, I mean, this is, this is blowout special, um, which I mean, really, like you said, touchdown uh, late for the Giants against the Detroit Lions. This would be back to back blowout losses for you then. It's, well, you know, think of it 17 10 in the third quarter. All of a sudden, Dallas scores a touchdown. It's 24 10. Yep. You know, that's kind of where, where it lives. The Giants could be in a one possession game and still lose by double digits at the end. And that's kind of where I think this is going to be. Yeah, it's interesting. You go back to the first meeting for this team. Shepard was still playing uh, for the New York football Giants at the time. Five for 49, chain mover. Four for 45 out of the backfield for Saquon Barkley as well. But Bellinger, four for 40. Kind of the first, one of those like first little samples of, oh, okay, Daniel Bellinger. Richie James, four for 36. There was a lot of, it feels like, methodic movement offensively for the New York football Giants. And I mentioned that over-under for Daniel Jones in the running game. Guess what? Nine for 79 the first time that these two met on the ground to go with Barkley's 14 for 81. Uh, listen, you know, you know, by the way, he threw no touchdowns, one pick in this one. I think that was the one that was like a justified interception, right? That was like a, a not his fault interception, if I remember correctly. It was also yeah. a game where he was actually, you know, literally looked like a pancake on the field. So, <laughs> um, and under 200 yards. There, there's no logic to it. Coming into this one, I said, I, I'm now, I think I'm on a five-game streak here predicting wins and losses for Big Blue. I said they were going to lose to Detroit. I had it at 24-21, so it was even worse maybe than I anticipated it being. But I said that that loss could be what spurs on the New York football Giants to a Thanksgiving Day victory against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I didn't know that they were going to lose half their roster. Like That wasn't a part of the game script that I had in my mind's eye. But I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. I think that Wink Martindale's approach defensively is going to be a little bit soft. I think he's going to rely on the Kayvon Thibodeaux, the Leonard Williams, the Dexter Lawrence's of the world, the Ocean Eximenez to do some things up front and do it somewhat successfully. I think the benefit of a Jalen Smith in this game is being able to shut down an Ezekiel Elliott. Who's spying on Pollard? Who's responsible for picking him up? That's going to be a big issue, a big area of concern. And how do you handle C.D. Lamb? This is maybe where Dane Belton becomes a somewhat pivotal player on the back end of this defense without Xavier McKinney. And obviously Julian Love needs to be a leader in this one. I'm going to say that the Giants win. Like I, I, there's, I, don't have, I don't have a ton of logic for it. I think that they can follow the game script. 14 carries for Saquon Barkley the last time. Why don't you go ahead and double that? Give him, give him 25 to 30 carries in this game. Have Daniel Jones run that ball 7 to 10 times, maybe even more in this game. Mix in some more Matt Breida, maybe even use a Gary Brightwell. Like I look at this game and I say, if I got to take every single weapon I have in the backfield and shove it down Dallas's throat to mitigate that very aggressive, talented pass rush that they have, so be it. And if I have to try to make this a thing where we have three successful drives and everyone needs to be a touchdown in order for us to have a chance, so be it. What was the over-under at? Give it to me, Adam. I can feel it coming. Give it to me, Adam. The over-under has moved up to 45 right now. 45. Give me the New York football Giants to win this game 26-23. I think they do just enough. They play it just right. They hold the Dallas Cowboys to a couple of field goals in key moments. And as you mentioned, no turnovers last week against Detroit. Give me one of those, man. I don't know what the reason is, but sometimes Dak Prescott doesn't look like the best quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe this is one of those games. It's been a very feel-good season. I'm not saying that this means anything for what happens in the big picture, but it's Thanksgiving, damn it. And the Giants haven't played there, I think, since 92. So why don't we go ahead and get out there and get that bad taste from Detroit out of our mouths and stick it 
to the Dallas Cowboys who think that they are ascending inside the NFC East. Three and a half to one on your money, Adam, for the Giants to win outright. You could be sitting there at seven o'clock, a happy man, belly full and shekels in your pocket. That's right. At the end of the day, my friends, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe what we all know is going to happen is my winning streak is going to come to an end predicting these games. But the bottom line is it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Giants do is we'll come back in after this one, break down the win or the loss, and then look ahead to what this team can accomplish going forward the remainder of the season. There's still so much to play for. But tomorrow, enjoy the game at 430. But before it and after it, enjoy time with your friends, with your family. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Eat too much. Maybe have an extra cocktail or two. And just enjoy it, man, because like you say, you only get a handful of these nice holidays throughout the year, and you really want to just sit back and, and hopefully not let the Giants ruin what is one of my favorite holidays of the year. I couldn't agree more, Adam. You know, be oh. thankful for what... Yeah, what? So, no, go ahead. Tell me what you're thankful for, because I, I realized I'm supposed to be closing out the show here as well. And all I, I would have been talk about Thanksgiving in a positive that was, way. You, you, you went back to like, wow, what kind of food am I going to have at the <laughs> table again? And forgot that we were do, hosting a podcast. Yeah, so that, that was nice. Like, yeah. uh, you know, just Some healthy mushrooms, maybe healthy family, happy life. Just yeah. I am very thankful for everything that we've got. I'm thankful for you, my friend. Hey. This podcast has been great over the years that we've been doing it. I'm really hoping that you're right on this one. Like, I can't I cannot tell a lie. You know how great Thanksgiving would be if the Giants beat the Cowboys. I mean. My goodness, Adam, I've got a smile on my face right now. Hopefully uh, I have one around 730 uh, tomorrow night. You better believe it. You get the podcast over on YouTube. You get it on your podcast feed. We appreciate everybody. We're thankful for everyone who supported us over all of these seasons and especially on YouTube as we continue to grow. Uh, we will be back again breaking down this game following Thanksgiving.